This morning we'll be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Once again, that is Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning, I am going to start off by telling you guys about probably one of my least favorite months of the year. It's not one of these harsh, cold months. I enjoy the cold. My least favorite month is August. And it's because of one simple word. Conditioning. Now, I'm not talking about air conditioning. That's the one thing that makes that month more bearable. I'm talking about sports conditioning. You see, I played soccer in middle school and high school, and the month of August is when we started sports conditioning. We would be going through various drills, preparing our bodies for what would be coming in the upcoming season, doing various drills, practicing the positions that we were going to be playing, any number of things. Some years we were out there for five hours or so a day, and August is pretty well known for its brutal heat, and so we were out there in that brutal heat for sometimes up to five hours a day, and there were three things I always looked forward to. Water breaks, that time towards the end of practice when we would get just a little bit of shade, and third, when practice was over and I could go back to my nice air-conditioned car. At times, you really didn't want to continue in what you had to do during those practices. You wanted to just be done, you were tired, you were ready to quit, but you couldn't. You had to persevere, you had to push through the exercises and drills that you were going through. You see, at the end of all that conditioning, while we hated it in the moment, as we went throughout the soccer season, we could see the benefits that came from that conditioning. We were able to do the things that we needed to do to be able to continue running longer, to be able to do various moves and that sort of thing. We were able to endure and persevere. Not only that, but we didn't go through it alone. We had each other as teammates to walk alongside each other, to encourage each other. Say you were running drills or running some laps, Someone would come alongside you if you were falling behind, and they would encourage you. And at that point, you honestly felt like you could run a few more laps. So what's all this getting at? You see, brothers and sisters, this is just like our Christian walk. As we go throughout life, we will experience hardships and difficulties. And it's so important, one, that we be conditioned and ready for it, but also that we endure and persevere. And that is what we are going to be focusing on this morning, endurance and perseverance in the faith. We see time and again throughout Scripture the call to persevere in the faith. Unlike sports conditioning, we don't persevere in our own strength and power. 
rather in God's grace and strength. Like sports conditioning, though, we don't go through it alone. God has blessed us with each other, the body of Christ, to walk alongside each other throughout the various seasons and difficulties of life, to encourage each other. So we're going to explore this point of persevering in our faith in three points this morning. Drawing near to God, holding on to what we believe, and encouraging in community. Let's turn to the first of these three points, drawing near to God. Now, as we get ready to dive into the first part of the text, I want to give us a little bit of a heads up. This first point, there's going to be some things that we need to unpack a little bit, some words and phrases. So this will be a little bit longer of a first point, but the author of Hebrews refers quite often back to the Levitical priesthood. So there will be some things that we need to take a look at as they come. But with that in mind, taking into consideration all that the author has talked about before this, especially Christ is our great high priest in chapter 4, Christ once for all sacrifice earlier on in chapter 10, we come to verse 19 and read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Now here we need to unpack some things. We see reference to a way open for us through the curtain. But what is that curtain? You see, if we take a look back at the books of Exodus and Leviticus, we see that there was two sections to the tabernacle slash temple. There was the holy place where the priests could go in. They had regular duties that they had to fulfill in the holy place, so they were allowed to go in there. Then there was the most holy place. That was the innermost room of the tabernacle slash temple. It was where God himself dwelt amidst his people. But not just anybody was allowed in there. Only one person was allowed in there, and only one day a year. It was the high priest on the Day of Atonement. You see, the high priest would go into the most holy place with the blood of sacrificed animals to atone for the sins of the people once a year. As human beings, due to our fall into sin, we sin. And because God is holy, he cannot stand sin, which requires sacrifice and atonement. So what's going on here is amazing. Because of Christ our high priest, through his once-for-all sacrifice on the cross, paying the debt we could never pay. We have confidence to enter the holy places. How amazing is that? That's not all. We're not done there. What do we see happen to the curtain at Jesus' death that separated those two rooms? And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It was torn in two. Through Jesus' death on the cross, his sacrifice of his shed blood opened the way for us to come before God. Because of that, he is called in verse 21 a great priest over the house of God. Now this connects us back to an earlier passage in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where the author of Hebrews shows how Jesus was greater than Moses, who was also faithful over God's house. We read those two verses now Moses was faithful in, God's, in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and are boasting in our hope. We see in the midst of this that the author is calling their audience to endure, to persevere in the statement, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and are boasting in our hope. 
So these first three verses lead us right up to the first main point that the author is trying to make in this passage. We read in verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So it's because of the first three things that we looked at. Christ shed blood, his sacrifice on the cross tearing the curtain, and Christ is our great priest, that we can draw near to God. Some questions that we might be asking, though, what does it mean to do that with a true heart? And what's going on with that notion of sprinkling and washing? First of all, concerning with a true heart, God wants us to come before him with right motives of heart and mind in worship. And that's where the phrase and full assurance of faith comes into play because our hearts need to be genuine, truly and firmly rooted in God. As for with our hearts sprinkled to clean us from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, we once again have to return back to the book of Leviticus where we see that the Israelites were required to undergo various ritual washings and purification rituals. There was a number of things that could make one unclean. Dead bodies, uh, certain types of animals, any number of things could make someone unclean. So there were various rituals and regulations that they had to go through to cleanse themselves, to be able to come near to God. We see how through Christ's finished work on the cross, we are cleansed once for all to be able to come near to God. With all this in mind, how are we to draw near to God in our daily lives? One of the most important ways is in prayer. Because of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice on the cross, we are blessed to be able to come before the God of the universe in prayer. We have a great privilege and blessing to be able to be in conversation with God, to come before him with our prayers and requests, and especially our thanksgiving and praises to him in prayer. Yet, we often take this for granted, don't we? I know that I do. As we take a look at Christ's life, we see him doing anything and everything that he can to spend time in prayer with the Father. Even to the point of getting up early or going away to an isolated place, even just before his betrayal and arrest, we see him in fervent prayer with the Father. How often are we willing to maybe get up early to be with the Lord or take time away to just be with the Lord alone? Once again, I know that this is something that I need to be continually working on as well. Then another good question for us to think about concerning drawing near to God is, how does this give us confidence to persevere in our faith? As we draw near to God in prayer, we are able to lean into the one who brought us into the faith. We rely upon his grace and strength. At the end of the book of Jude, we read the following in verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Our God is able to keep us from falling. He is able to help us persevere. With this in mind, we come now to the second point this morning, holding on to what we believe. We pick back up in verse 23, where we read, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Before we continue on, I want to pause here for a moment to get a little bit of the historical background here. You see, this is a common theme throughout the book of Hebrews, this notion of holding on to the faith. We see it time and again throughout this book. 
as we see here in our passage this morning, you see, this was a real and present danger for the people that the author of Hebrews was writing to. So that he can, they continually encourage the, their audience to persevere in their faith, to hold on to it, just like we read here. But what does it mean to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering? Taking a look at the original language behind the word hold, this isn't just like a loosey-goosey grip on, say, a piece of ice that you just dropped on the floor and you're trying to pick it up and you end up kicking it under the fridge. No, that's not this kind of grip. This kind of grip is one that is as firm and tight as tight can be. Do you guys remember those merry-go-rounds on the playground, ones that you would spin around and you would hold on for dear life, right? Your friends would spin you around and around and around and you would hold on hoping that you don't fly off into the sand or maybe pea gravel, That is the kind of grip that the author is getting at here. It is a tight as tight can be. And just like the audience that the the author of Hebrews faced, we face today, we are to tightly hold on to God, to the faith. The author concludes this point, reminding the people that the one who promised is faithful. The author of Hebrews even goes so far as to give examples of people throughout redemptive history who persevered in the faith, who held on tightly to God. We see that especially in verse 11, or chapter 11. We read about various heroes of faith, Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so many different heroes of faith who held on tightly to God over the course of their lives. And ultimately, we look to Christ. As the author of Hebrews points out in the next chapter after that, chapter 12, verse 2, they say, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Then in verse 3, adds by way of encouragement through Christ's perseverance, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Christ himself endured and suffered the cross. We are called to do no less in our walks to persevere in the faith that we profess no matter what comes our way. And thanks be to God that we don't do it in our own strength, but rather in his power. So how are we to hold fast the confession of our hope today? How do we as citizens of God's kingdom stand firm in the faith that he has brought us into? As we look throughout the course of church history, we see various accounts of people who have suffered for their faith. Even brothers and sisters in Christ around the world today still suffer persecution for their faith. That can seem a bit far removed from us, doesn't it? Yes, people may mock or ridicule us for our faith, but we don't necessarily face the same kind of suffering that our brothers and sisters in Christ go through. However, we do face circumstances in our lives that make us think or ask the question, why God? We hear about incidents of lives snuffed out so soon. We have loved ones who become ill or in in such great pain that we just want to make it stop for them. We see declining mental health taking its toll on family and friends and so many other things. And in those moments, we ask, why, God? I know that I have. I have a clear example in my mind. It was Good Friday uh, back in my last year of my undergraduate. Uh, My wife, Kayla, and I were at home later that evening, and I was grading some papers for a professor that I TA'd for, and... I got a call that rocked my world. My last grandma on my side of the family had suddenly passed away that morning, or that afternoon. 
And in the weeks that followed, I found myself in conflict inwardly. The future seminary student in me knew that God had a plan, a purpose, that she was finally at home with her Lord and Savior. But the other part of me asked questions like, why now? Why her? She was doing great. What happened? Yet I can testify that God brings us through the storm of grief and pain, albeit in his timing. We'll experience suffering, we'll experience pain, hardships, difficulties, any number of things. We'll experience grief, sorrow, sadness. It's not a bad thing to walk through that process of grieving. It's a good thing. At times during that process, though, we may feel like turning from God, maybe feeling like he has turned his back on us, but he hasn't. I want to tell you about a pretty well-known story. It's called Footprints in the Sand. It goes a little something like this. There was a man one night, and in a dream, uh, he was walking along a shoreline with the Lord, taking a look at all the various scenes and events from his life. Some of them were really great, filled with joy and exciting times, good times. But there are other times, other scenes that weren't the greatest. They were some of his saddest and hardest times, the dark nights of his soul. Then as they reach the end of his life and he looks back over all the events that they just took a look over, he notices that, for the most part, there's two sets of footprints as they walk along, his and the Lord. But it was in those scenes of his darkest nights, there was only one set. He turned to the Lord and he asked him, Lord, why during my hardest times, why during those darkest nights, is there only one set of footprints? The Lord turns to him and says, my child, that was when I carried you. He is there, and we need to lean into his strength to persevere in our faith. No matter what circumstances we face, tightly holding on to our Heavenly Father, knowing that he holds on even tighter to us, and that nothing Let me say that again, that nothing can take us from his hand. No matter matter what you are facing, hold on to God. Maybe you're facing a financial situation or struggle, hold on to him. Maybe you've lost a loved one, hold on to him. Maybe you're going through a season of doubt, wondering if any of this is true, hold on to him. For God has revealed time and again throughout Scripture, even the free gift of grace. All you need to do is come and surrender your life to Christ's lordship, repenting of your sins, seeking Christ's forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, we also don't walk through this journey of life alone. God has blessed us not only with the opportunity to rely and lean upon his grace and strength, but he's blessed us with each other the collective body of Christ. We turn to that in our third and final point this morning of encouraging and community. As we come to this final point, we see that it's twofold, falling under the category of encouragement. Verse 24, we read, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To help us get a better understanding of what the author of Hebrews is getting at here, we need to once again take a look at the original language here. 
behind that phrase, stir up. Its root meaning can even go so far as meaning to provoke someone, but it's not just like a little pinprick. No, this kind of provoking requires action. The person who's being provoked cannot just ignore it, push it aside. They have to act on it. Reminds me of those little metal spurs on the back of the iconic cowboy boots. What are they used for? They're used to guide the horse one is riding or to give instructions. Like we said, though, the author is using this notion in a positive way, but still it helps us get a better picture of what the author is seeking to convey here. As we see earlier in the Old Testament, it's so crucial that we are sharpening one another. Proverbs 27:17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So the author is imploring, teaching their audience, and likewise us as well, to be encouraging one another throughout this journey of life, to act in love and good deeds, living out our faith. Then in verse 25, the author continues, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. While the previous verse set forth something that should be done, this verse sets forth something that should not be abandoned or set aside, and that's meeting together, especially as each day we draw nearer and nearer to Christ's return. As it was for the audience of the author in that day, so too for us now. It's so crucial that we continue to meet together as the body of Christ. George Guthrie, a scholar writing on the book of Hebrews, says the following concerning the importance of meeting together. Encouragement cannot take place in isolation. Let me say that again. Encouragement cannot take place in isolation. Obviously, everything with COVID has made things more difficult over the past year or so, and we want to make sure that everyone's safe, and there's always extenuating circumstances. But it's so important that we don't neglect meeting together, especially if we are able to do so in person because of the importance of being able to encourage one another. What a blessing it is to be able to come alongside someone who's going through a difficult time, giving them a hug or speaking a word of encouragement into a season of difficulty. So how does this final point encourage us to endure and persevere in our faith today? How are we to stir up one another to love and good works, as well as continue meeting with one another as kingdom people? One potential way is that we can do this through keeping one another accountable. Accountability is a great thing, but it's one thing that we tend to shy away from. It makes us squirm. We don't like people prying into our lives, asking us how we are doing, how we're really doing. But... Accountability can be an immense blessing, reap such great rewards. It takes immense vulnerability to open up areas of our lives to other people. So it's so important that as a community, we foster a community that people are able to be vulnerable, to be open with one another, so that we can mutually encourage one another. This can lead to greater endurance and perseverance in our walks with the Lord. Through accountability, we can stir one another up to love and good works and seek to encourage each other in the faith. Likewise, with continuing to meet together, accountability can play a part in that. One thing, first off, that we want to make sure is to, once again, avoid fostering a community or environment of condemnation if someone misses, say, one Sunday. As we read in our text, we want to be encouraging each other, building each other up, 
But when we begin to frequently miss or not be present with the body of Christ, that is when accountability should take place, albeit gently and with love. This can be also fostered through small groups where we walk alongside each other throughout the various seasons of our lives, encouraging each other, speaking God's word to each other. These small groups can help create in us a desire to continue meeting with the collective body of Christ each Lord's Day. Congregation of Beacon Light CRC, we all run this marathon of life. Looking back retrospectively on life, it can seem like it went so quickly, just like that. But as we're going throughout life, it can seem long, hard, arduous, like we're in the middle of that August summer heat, running that next lap, looking forward to that next refreshing water break. But as we saw in our first point this morning of drawing near to God, we have been immensely blessed to be able to draw near to our Lord and Savior, the one who created us continually throughout this journey of life through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That we don't need to rely on our own strength and power, but we rely on his. Likewise, in our second point, holding on to what we believe, the importance of persevering in our faith as we are called to do throughout Scripture and looking to Christ ultimately as our ultimate example of persevering. Thirdly, we saw in our final point, encouraging in community, how not only are we to rely on God, but God has blessed us with each other, the collective body of Christ, to encourage each other throughout this walk of life, this journey of life. Life is hard, yes. But it's also filled with its joys. It's filled with its hardships, its difficulties, but so many blessings and gifts too. Like the heroes of faith we read about in Hebrews 11, who desire a better country that is a heavenly one, we too look forward, even long for the day when the Lord will call us home. Whenever our races are finished, whenever that may be, may we be able to say with the Apostle Paul, as he writes in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And then, as we enter into eternity, may we hear those wonderful, wonderful words from our Lord and Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word where you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you for this time that we can spend in your word together. We pray that you would help us to draw near to you each day and throughout our lives, that we rely on your strength and power, that you would help us to hold on to the faith that you have called us into, that you have purchased and redeemed us. And we thank you for the collective body of Christ that you've blessed us with, that we can walk alongside one another, help us in the weeks, months, and years ahead to continue to walk alongside each other, encouraging each other throughout the course of this life until you bring us faithfully home to you. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.